Lord Jesus, we thank you for the incredible privilege to come together in the nations, from different nations, from different cities, to come and celebrate what you are doing on the earth today. What a privilege to be alive in 2016. Father, we thank you for what you're doing, and we thank you for what you're about to do. Would you come today, Father, come change our lives, our minds, our just come change our hearts. We desire so much more of you. We desire to, Father, just to come and in these days be part of the plan for the end time church. So come today, Holy Spirit, even now. Come lead us now, Father. We pray we do open our hearts wide. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. If I, if I yawn, it might not be because I don't like my preach. It might be. But uh, it's possibly because I've, I think I've traveled 24 hours in the last 24 hours or 22 of the last 24 hours. So it's been a lot. But it's a privilege to be here. And uh, such an honor to be invited by you guys. Thank you so much. Glad to see so many guys that we know. Mike and Charmaine, glad to see you guys. Glad to see Marius. I'm glad to see Marius has now graduated. He started in a kids' church, and now at least he's leading a, an open home or a, a, an open community, whatever you call them. They're with us, and Andrew and Michelle, what a delight to see you guys. Aren't they great? Beautiful. So, so we, we're still jealous that they're here, and, uh, but we're a delight to be able to, to come and see them. And Philip, the barista, oh my goodness gracious. Remember when he walked into church the first time, his eyes were this big, and now he's giving coffee to people whose eyes are that big. So just a delight. Why don't you turn with me to Acts 19? Just um, <clears throat> sitting on the, on the plane yesterday and just felt really, really stirred around this and been pondering about it this week. I had the privilege to be um, in, a, in a meeting, in a conference in, in Tampa Bay in, in America this week um, with an incredible man, a man who's seen and sparked revivals around the world. And uh, it was a delight to be in his home church, uh, literally with thousands of people worshiping King Jesus there in America. So just stirred around this text. Let's, uh, maybe I should turn there too. It'll really, really help. Acts 19. Call the, the message, I've just called it the suddenlies. The suddenlies of God. And when you read this, there's a few suddenlies that seem to pop up. And while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. It's amazing, it's just a one line. He's in Corinth and then he's in Ephesus. If you go and have a look, you'll see from Corinth to Ephesus was 200 miles. And uh, the Bible just calls it a one sentence. While Paul was at Corinth, he took the road to Ephesus. 200 miles on foot. I don't know if anybody's walked 200 miles on foot. There's a bunch of crazy catcheries and people who've just gone from Oman through the empty quarter all the way through to Doha, through the empty quarter of the desert. It's taken them 42 days to get there. I don't know how much 200 miles through the interior it took, but here the Bible just writes it as one verse. It's a suddenly. He's just there in Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Amazing. First question Paul asked them. Your disciples, so then you must have received the Holy Spirit. And he asked them, 
And it's a good question to ask the church around the world. I say, you're a disciple. So did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit like much of the world. And we haven't even heard. Well, what are you talking about? And Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? It's important to be asked what baptism did we receive. But, you know, what, what, what happened? What, what did we receive? We, we come from across the earth and in regions like this, we, you can probably point a finger and you'll probably find 20 or 30 church backgrounds amongst just you guys sitting here. And you have all different views when you come about, well, what baptism did you receive? And so it's an important question to be answered and say, okay, well, was this relevant to me too? We had a brief, beautiful meeting recently, a month or two ago, and there was 36 people baptized in water on that day. And um, it started with one in the first service, and that one triggered another nine to get baptized. And it started with seven in the second service, and that seven triggered, or whatever the balance is, to get to 35. And by the end of the day, 35 people were baptized. I thought, this is extraordinary. And one after the other came back and says, what happened? And they, their hearts were enlarged. And so about a, two weeks later, we said, well, that was special. And there were some more people that got baptized. And then two that day became 19. And suddenly there's, there's been flood of baptisms that happened. So I want to ask you today, what baptism did you receive? Because it calls us, the word is very clear to us, that there's a baptism in God, not just when we were children that we were to receive. And many of us perhaps came out of that background. But actually here, it's a baptism of entire life to Jesus, baptizing, we get go under the water, symbolized death, risen with Christ. And for Paul, this is a question he asked them. And of course, he's also referring to the baptism of the Spirit. Seems like something that the church has forgotten around the world. What baptism did you receive? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, verse 4. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Something that seems to happen when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit always. And there were about 12 men in all. And Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. He wasn't just trying to argue with persuasively. He was persuasively, in other words, with conviction. I mean, there's something that needs to come on the church that when we speak, is there a conviction in you to argue with what you believe in? He comes and he argues persuasively with these people in the synagogue about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. I don't want to be part of that verse of the Bible. There's no obstinate people here, but apparently church down the road, there's some obstinate people there. But here, I hear that people are open to God. Just obstinate, and they refused to believe in public malign the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. You know, Jesus said, pray for the sick, heal the sick, lay hands on those that are sick, raise the dead, deliver them. So much of the church is trying to raise dead church. Never mind raise the dead. And so Paul said, actually, these guys are so dead, they're so obstinate, actually, I'm going to go where there's life. And he goes and he creates life next door. And so after three months of preaching here, he goes next door. And in the hall of Tyrannus, he meets daily for two years. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles. Can we say extraordinary miracles? Through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs 
and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and the illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. It's still clean. Just the handkerchiefs even. Extraordinary miracles. The power that's contained in the risen Jesus Christ is extraordinary. Well, I haven't seen it, Rob. Even in handkerchiefs, people were healed as it was laid upon them. What if we as a church even... Sometimes we've got such experience theology that I haven't seen it, so therefore it cannot be true. Thank goodness that we haven't seen Jesus because the Bible says, blessed are those who believed and have not seen. Extraordinary miracles that happen. Pause their teaching. And it's just when you read this, it seems like it's just the next thing that happened. Preach there in the hall of Tyrannus and extraordinary miracles happen. But let's read on further. Is that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. The seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? The man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Last week I was preaching in the church, and uh, we're preaching through a series which we called the Supernatural Series. I felt God say to me between Christmas and New Year, we had two, three days away as a family, And one morning in my quiet time, I felt God say to me, Rob, would you prepare the people's hearts for outbreaks of the supernatural? And I said, sure, God. And and, and I started studying this whole thing. And I I was telling a story in the church last week about a lady who came to our church five, six years ago, something like that, when Dave and Kathy were still leading, maybe six years ago. And and she'd come out of an incredibly animistic pagan religion and was seriously demon-possessed. And I remember being in a situation of deliverance with her, and uh, Helette and I were praying for this lady, and Dave and Kathy were there, and she started manifesting, and then she went like this, Who are you? How do you know who I am? And Helette came up with a word in that moment, and said, and, I, and called the spirit out what it was, and he answered back, says, how do you know me? And I'm telling this story quite humorously last week, and some of the people were nervous like one or two years now, but that's okay. But afterwards, a man comes to me. It was the first time he was ever in church. He said to me, actually, I can't remember anything except, how do you know me? He said, when you said those words, he says, I was thinking this week, who knows me, Lord? And he's calling out to God. And he says those words, as, he was, as I heard his, those words spoken, it just ruptured in his heart. And this guy came to a funeral the week before for someone we had in church. So he came to a funeral, decided at the funeral, actually there's something here. He heard me talking a story about a demon. It was the first time he was in church. 
ever again, since, or ever, apart from the funeral. Okay? These extraordinary things. We're just speaking normal things. I'm just telling a silly story about a demon that was delivered. And this man, this morning, he's in church there again. I just see this thing here about the evil spirits. These things are real. These things happen. We don't, you know, it's quite often in church, I think we make it so clinical, we make it so clean and it's so nice that we forget that actually these are the real things that happen. And these seven sons of Sceva, they found out quite rudely about this happening. And verse 18, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. And when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. And many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who'd practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. This way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And after all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. And after, he had been, after I'd been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. And he sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little bit longer. It's just, a, I love this text. It's an unbelievable text. Now, Paul, he's not just talking the talk, but he's also demonstrating the gospel as he walks the walk. There's not enough demonstrators around walking the walk. There seems to be a lot of talk around in Christian circles, but very few that walk the walk. I love seeing this here that five years ago there was a home group or there was a, just like as if it was a home group meeting in a home and today we're seeing the result five years later of people who've walked the walk. What a delight. Fortunately, it doesn't happen so easily around the world. A lot of talking that's going on. Just come back from America. There's a lot of talk that goes on all around. But Paul, he saw that Jesus went around preaching teaching and demonstrating. And when he came into the kingdom, it's exactly what he had in his heart. I, I've got to hear the word. I've got to own the word. I've got to walk the word and live it. And I've got to demonstrate the word. Jesus did the same. Paul was doing it. See, grace has come not just to save us, but it's come to empower us. And so much of us have got stuck, stuck in, well, grace has come to save me. So now, well, that's it. No, no, grace has come to save me, and now I get involved with the grace has come to empower me. The grace takes me through, and the grace takes me to start walking this walk so that the demonstration might happen. Because extraordinary miracles followed the teaching and the preaching of the Word. Two years in the Hall of Tyrannus, daily. You see, we read extraordinary miracles, but there was two years of process daily. You know how long two years of church daily is? It's the equivalent of 14 years of us sitting here every Friday. So that in two years, daily, what we get to do in 14 years. And extraordinary miracles broke out. See, Jesus, there's a process in everything we do. And the process here we saw of a new church being birthed. And now we're sitting five years later and we've seen so much of the process have come in. It's good that the church understands process because people will walk in there and see the beautiful church and start sitting there and after a month, perhaps they'll think, maybe like restaurant mentality. Well, I don't like this. I, you know, this, this is not so cool. I, I like that better. But do you understand the process of a room that was opened 
And now five years later, 50 degree meetings here two years ago, and we get to sit in a beautiful air conditioning place. The presence of God is, worship is laid on. But we could sit at the back there and quite easily have a restaurant mentality and forget there was a process to get there. See, there's always a process. Jesus himself went through process. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and favor with man. Jesus didn't stay in one place. He grew. And that's before he was filled with the Spirit of God that came upon him at baptism. So there's a process that needs to happen. Grace that saves us, and from the grace that saves us, there's an empowering that needs to come from God himself. Working, getting, living out. Jesus worked hard. I think he had calluses on his hand. It's your dad that makes all the carpentry stuff here. So, what's your name? Rob, eh? Rob, where's Rob? Just lift your hand. Where's Rob? Where's your dad? I know, we've caught him out now. He's now having... Just hold your hands up. I want you to go and look at Rob's hands afterwards. Are there calluses there? A little bit. This, and Ramsey's a motorbike rider. Well, that, now you see he had all fun. But look at his hands. You'll see calluses on. Jesus had calluses. He worked hard. It said Jesus woke up early in the morning to go and pray. And sometimes late at night, he was still busy. This is after he's filled with the Spirit. And this is a man filled with the Spirit of God, walking in grace, but he's hard at work. There's a process of getting through this. This church was hard. You know how hard it must have been two years every day, daily in the halls of Tyrannus? It wasn't just, doom, and it happened. So much of the church has got this McDonald's fast food mentality of I just rock up and there it is and look at the coffee. I don't know who's the guy who put the beautiful shape on the coffee, but I had a beautiful shape on my coffee. How long did it take you to do that? You didn't do that the first time. There's a process. And I think we need to appreciate process. We need to understand that God is at work building, shaping, and we get to come along on this journey always. And so here we have five-day celebrations. What's going to be the journey like in the next five years? What's going to be the outcome of the next five years, let alone the next ten years? Jesus comes filled with the Spirit. Holy Spirit, and it takes even Jesus to a whole new level because it says he did no mighty miracles before that time. The call of the church is to grow, not to stay the same. The call of the church, and you and I, we make up the church, is to grow into full maturity, the book of Ephesians tells us. Fullness of God. The church has never arrived. Don't ever think we've now arrived. You guys have arrived, but don't think you've arrived. Because that's a dangerous place to be. We get stagnant, we get comfortable, we get fat, we get lazy. No fat and lazy people here. But the church down the road has a few fat and lazy people because we get to that place. The American church has a lot of fat and lazy people. I don't mean go to the Americans. I was just there last week, so I can say because I saw. See, growth of people doesn't necessarily equate growth in church. See, sometimes we get flow and we get, we get awed by numbers. Look, it's full of... I want to say that growth in people does not necessarily mean growth in church. This growth that God wants to bring is a growth in maturity. Sometimes, the presence of God, we, have, we, we, we so seek the numbers of people that we, we make the presence of God as an optional extra. And so, so no, 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 I, I, I've got, got to be careful here because if I do that, I might lose 10. And so the 10 people that we see as growing is an expense of the growing because we're seeking the presence of God and we're seeking Him. And so they're not exclusive. They're not one versus the other. So you seek the presence of God. God will add the people. God will bring the people. Look what He's done over here. 
There's a multiplication in power and impact that people wants to, God wants to bring as He adds people. But there mustn't be a dialing down of the thermometer because for the sake of people coming. God doesn't want in the last days the thermometer of His presence and for Him to be dialed down. Because I see here Paul, actually when the people became obstinate and there was a dialing down, he just simply left and started all again. God wants a cranking up of the thermometer happening these days. See, there's a lot of compromise and a shying away across the earth. And really an excusing for the anointing of God. The anointing is what breaks the yoke. Not our good church programs. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. And when we don't seek the anointing, which is Jesus, the anointed, and He comes with His fullness of power, not just in word, but in the demonstration, I tell you, there's a level of freedom that we haven't walked into yet. Much of the earth, earth just somehow wants to keep on shying away from that. See, churches might be full, but if the church is full, there must be an effect of also a nation starting to be shaken. And this church, if I listen to that story, City Lights was never made just for City Lights. It was made so that Dubai would be shaken. It was made and was built by God with the intention that this region will be affected. This is filled with churches that are lukewarm and not even churches that are backslidden. All I know is that Revelation says, Jesus says, I'll spit out the lukewarm. Churches make statements. Says, as long as we hold on to the cross, as long as we worship, worship Jesus. Do you know that Jesus didn't stop at the cross? He went from the cross. He rose from the dead. He was risen. He spent 40 days speaking and preaching the kingdom. He rose up to heaven. He ascended up to heaven. And he received from the Father the Holy Spirit, which he's now poured out on the church. He didn't stop at the cross. So why do we as a church stop at the cross? It's all the way through. He continues, and Jesus did that, and surely that's our model that we need to function with. Jesus didn't function without the Spirit of God. Performed no mighty miracles without Him. Jesus didn't treat the Holy Spirit as an optional extra. Jesus treated the Holy Spirit as the start. It's the start of His ministry. was filled with the Spirit. It's the start of Paul's ministry. As Ananias laid hands on him, scales came off his eyes. He started to preach. He started, he started to speak in tongues and prophesy, and immediately was sent out. Went into the Arabian Desert. The Spirit came like a mighty rushing wind. Cloven tongues of fire on their heads. The anointing of God comes to empower the church. 3,000 were added on that first day as the Spirit was poured out. What's going to, what will happen? This church is 3,000. What will happen to bias 3,000 are saved in a day? What will happen? I hear and I read the word that says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. I read and I see in the word that in the last days there's a shaking that's coming across the earth. And we as churches will either be ready for it or will go right past us. Our fellowship this year is 18 years old. The church that we have the privilege to lead. Dave and Kathy planted the church. They built slowly. They built carefully. We continue to do so and it's now five years since since we've been leading. Nearly the same as you guys. But God hasn't done all this, and He hasn't done all that for that. He's done all this for now, what He wants to do from here. Do you guys think here that this is it? And this 
is the launching pad for what's to come. And either we'll be ready to say, God, well, well, where are you taking this? I love the story last night. Dan was telling me about his father-in-law actually meeting with his elders and, and praying for a vision for the next hundred years. I'm going, what? The next hundred years? I mean, I, I can't even think like, I can't think like, only, I only think to the next meal. The next meal is a good thought for me, but I struggle to go beyond the hundred years they're having this vision. What has God got in store for this church for the next? Why are you here? You thought it came for the job. I'm sure you've heard that before. He's not here for the job. Some of you say, thank goodness I'm not here for the job. Can you give me another job? Be here because God has called you here. He's called you into a community because he loves the city. God loves the cities. God loves the nations. He's called you from a different nation. Who of you, apart from those kiddies we saw, were born here? Who of you adults were born here? So you've left and you've come into a place where God now calls you. And the Bible says to us in Acts, he says that God has determined the exact time and places where you should live. You are the plan of God now for Dubai. That's who you are. And so now you could live with that and say, well, I'm now in the plan of God for Dubai. We can say, God, what truly do you want to do through me and with me? I think God wants to do extraordinary things with this church in this time that's to come. Because there's an outpouring upon the earth that will come that will truly shake the nations across the earth. And it's an outpouring that's going to come in Doha and it's going to come in Dubai and it's going to come across the earth and it's not going to stop because the word says that I will shake my church. I will shake the earth. Can you turn your Bibles to the book of Haggai in chapter 2? But I'm losing your batteries here. Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 4. Well known scripture. Many of us might know it. Haggai is a little book. It's only got a couple of chapters towards the end of the Old Testament. Haggai chapter 2. You guys, the electronic age, have you guys all got your iPads? Is that the thing? Because I'm not hearing rustling up. We've got a thing every summer when the guys go wherever they go for the summer, when they come back, because we don't have a bookstore like you have here in Dubai, we have a bring back a Bible thing, and everybody has to bring back a Bible. Because what will happen with the people that will get saved that year? They need a Bible. And so if people come back with four or five hundred Bibles, and by the end of the year, those four or five hundred Bibles are gone, and then every year we do that again. And so I like the fact that there's still pages that turn. But even myself, I'm going to read off my iPad now. Verse 4, but now be strong, Zerubbabel. Can you say Zerubbabel? You're nearly speaking in tongues. Zerubbabel declares the Lord, be strong, Joshua, son of Josedak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you. Can I say, God is with you guys. Be strong. Don't hold back. Be strong, for he is with you. What does it mean when the king of all eternity and all earth is with us? Can you just start to think about that for a second? The Lord Almighty creates life out of chaos upon the waters. The Spirit of God who hovers and who speaks life, He now says, I'm with you. My goodness gracious, that should change all our positions. When we know that this king who now lives in us says, I am with you. Do not fear. 
This is what I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and what is desired by the nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace. He says, once more, I will shake the nations. There's a shaking that will come. There's a shaking that wants to come. And the church across the earth, when the shaking comes, <laughs> they will either, because the earth is going to be shaken. And you go in Doha right now, with this oil price going down the way it is. And we had big corporations letting a lot of people go in the last few weeks. Now, Doha escaped much of what Dubai went through in 2008. But right now, there's a shaking happening in Doha. And the earth is the earth, and we're in the earth. And there's a shaking happening. And so will we be part of the shaking that will happen? Or will we in this time, how will we respond as a church that will happen? Because God's going to shake the nations. He wants to shake the world out of the world. And it's happening. And so this whole thing that we're involved in, we get called into the supernatural journey. And God will say to us, will we as a church, will we be superficial or will we be supernatural? How will we respond in these days? Will we be known in the world and will we be known in hell? You know, Paul was known in hell. Those demons came on the sons of Sivir and says, we don't know you. Paul we know, Jesus we know. He was known, he was famous in hell. Because in hell he plundered the enemy. And will we as the city lights all be famous in the city? And will we also be known where the enemy lurks? Because he knows that church, those guys. Oh my goodness gracious. The earth is shaking, but they, their feet is on a rock. It was this week with a man, as I said, with Rodney Hart Brown in this meeting, and he prays for a man. And as he comes up to the guy to pray, he says to the guy, what can I pray for you? Because some sick people come up. The guy said, I've got stage two cancer. And uh, quite a big man. And he, he, he doesn't even detain the cancer. He immediately starts to rebuke the cancer on this man. The man goes down under the power of, power of God, under the spirit. And as he hits the ground, he roars out from his spirit, I'm going to die. And of course it was... The, it, and he rebukes this. He says, you foul demon of cancer. And he starts speaking to this thing. The man falls from the ground. He lifts off the ground like this with just his feet touching the ground in that moment, hovering like this. And he gets delivered from this cancer, from the spirit, and smacks the ground. I'm going, what is this? Well, I tell you, that man has a reputation in hell. And when the demon saw him and when he prayed for him, that demon had to run because he knew there was trouble here. What did the demon say when you were around? What did he even say when we come into rooms? Oh, my goodness gracious. I says, Dan, I better go. Isn't this the call that's going to come upon the church in these last days? That things are not going to be the same old, same old. Like when we came into church and we said three songs, two this, two fast ones. We came and brought this and then we all waved and had chicken lunch afterwards. The call for the church is more than chicken lunch and gravy. Actually, I don't like chicken. Roast lamb is more my thing. But it's more than that. And these days, will we be a church that will shake the nations? Two years, 
preaching daily. Two years. Came and affected the whole region. Two years. We think Extraordinary Miracles is like that. Let me tell you, the Extraordinary Miracles came out of a process of two years daily speaking, preaching, training, sharing, demonstrating. They were baptized in water. If you haven't been baptized, be baptized in water. Don't wait till when it's just be baptized. We, we, everything comes to us like as we wonder, we wonder, we want. Just be baptized. The Bible says, so Jesus did it, do it. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus did it. If you haven't been, say, I'd like to be. Have people pray for you. Let them come. Be trained. They were trained in that hall of Tyrannus. Every day they heard. And it says the whole region was affected through what happened there in Ephesus. Be trained. Oh, Dan's got another training again. Oh, Stalas, oh, they're on again about prophetic training. Just be trained. You want to take 14 years? You want to take two years? Get it done and get it done quickly. We can sit 14 years there and still after 14 years, now I wonder when I'm going to be ready. Just get trained. Teams were sent out from there. Beautiful. Paul goes to Jerusalem, goes to, goes to Macedonia. Macedonia is where he heard the man calling him from. So he's going back to these places. When the power of God comes, when the Spirit of God is in operation, there's the apostolic. Go on these teams. Paul sends these teams out. He sends Timothy. He sends Erastus. He sends them back to those churches. You guys will be sending out teams. Are you going to get ready? Are you Are going to be ready for when you're being sent out? Dan says, who can go to Nepal? Are you going to be ready? Because we need to be. We see this is what happens. It didn't just happen. There was a process involved. Extraordinary miracles happened. Many confessed, brought their scrolls, burned publicly. The whole city was touched. What will it look like? What will Dubai look like when people start to be repenting and bring what is publicly what is, what is for them so deeply? They start just doing publicly repenting. Not in a meeting. They weren't in Paul's meeting repenting. It said they came and they brought their scrolls and started burning their scrolls. It seemed like the whole city was affected. The economy of the city was affected. This is the picture of the church. This is what happens. This is the picture of the church that Jesus started to build, that Paul understood and started to build. City lights, let me tell you. This is something of the picture that God has for you in your future. This will be a church that will affect the region, that will affect the economy, that when people come, they will say, they won't understand why. People will drive past and start to cry. Yesterday, the man who took me to the airport got saved in 2010. I said, tell me how you got saved, American gentleman. He said, I don't know what happened, but I was driving in the area, and suddenly I couldn't breathe. She says, I couldn't breathe. I said, what do you mean you couldn't breathe? You have asthma. So I've never had asthma in my life, but I couldn't breathe. So what happened? So I don't know what happened, but I drove past and someone said, go to that church. And he was struggling with his breathing and he went and he got saved in the church. People drove past and got saved. It'll start to happen. People in Dubai will start to operate and say, I don't know what's going on, but I need to find out what's going on. How are we as a church going to be ready for those things? Because there's more in God. Who knows there's more in God? Who wants more in God? I want more in God. I just want the status quo, and in five years we look back and we're still singing nice songs. Of course we're going to sing nice songs. We're going to worship Jesus till the end, all the way. But increasingly so, God wants to make us as a church ready for when this earth in these last days gets shaken, how will we be? Where will we be in this process? Because when the church and the world gets shaken, when the church shakes the world, it affects the economics, it affects the society, 
It starts to transform a city, and this city needs transformation. This city is already different from when it was when Mike and they moved here 14 years ago. 14 years ago? What will city lights look like in 10 years? Where will we be? Delight that some of the guys that were here from the first day are still here today. What a delight. The rest of you possibly didn't even know about Dubai five years ago. We might have. You certainly wouldn't have heard of Qatar five years ago. I hadn't heard of Qatar before we went there. But God, who sees the end from the beginning, God sees the end from the beginning. This is not the end. There is more for you, city lights. There is more for you guys. Will we be ready? Will we be hungry? Will we be available to demonstrate? Will we be not afraid? Will we hold back? We sang that song today, it is well with my soul. No, but no holding back, no holding back. Those words that came out. Growing in vessels that will be changed from glory to glory. And then one day suddenly, then one day suddenly when you least expect it, bam, that happened. There's a whole process involved. And as we get involved, God brings the suddenness of God. And he gets the glory. Nations get shaken. A mighty rushing wind. What will Dubai look like when a mighty rushing wind comes upon it? I tell you, in these last days, there's a shaking coming that will scare the hell out of people. Literally. There's a shaking come that they'll cry out for the gospel because they're all scared out of it. But they just don't know how to find it. You and I need to be those that on these days will catch them, will love them, will bring the gospel, will teach them the more of God. And the suddenness of God come, the place will look different. Regions will change. I don't know about you, but I want more. I want to be ready for when those suddenness come. And they're going to come more and more and more in these days. The region's different than it was 14 years ago. Shag Zion Road was a small street 15 years ago. The whole city is changing the natural. Let me tell you, in the supernatural that's coming, there's a much greater thing that's coming in the city than you and I could expect or even know. Lord Jesus, Father, today as we ponder these things, as we hear your word, as we see the extraordinary outbreaks of your power displayed by Paul and by your son Jesus at the birth of the church, Father, we can only but say, Lord, we want more. Even now, Holy Spirit, even now, here we are seated in this beautiful venue. Incredible celebration of a day where you, King Jesus, be honored for what you've done. You are the builder of the church. And here we come today. And we state, Father, we want more. In the next five years, Father, the city changes and as the world changes, we want to be ready. Would you today, Father, come right now even greater still, stir the hunger and the desire for more of you. There is amongst you, if there's anybody here that says, I want more of God, 
Won't you, won't you stand where you are? Say, I, I just want more. I want to be in the greatest still away, ready for these last days and for what God will come. But I, this is serious. So when you stand more with God, you're not standing before any of us. You're standing before Him. You're standing before Him. For great are you, Lord. For great are you, Lord. Great are your purposes. Great are your plans. Great is that what you want to do in this city and the nations of the earth. Father, here we stand. We say we desire more. Spirit of God, we desire more of you. There's such a clear picture that when you came upon the church, there were outbreaks of extraordinary things that happened, Father. Things that we could not do. And Father, we want to be part of the supernatural church that you built. The supernatural church that you are releasing and raising up on the earth. And Father, here we are. We are standing. Spirit of God, before you now, we say, come. Come and use us in these days. Come and use us in these days.